in an effort to support the talented and creative individuals in our community. We give you the Carpe GM interview series. Discussions about gaming and geek pop culture with those who help to create it. Joining us today, Sean Fannin. Prepare to be inspired. Hello, Internet. Welcome back. I uh, got the opportunity to go to Gen Con 2014 this year. I was only there for a couple of days, but I got a couple of really good interviews. This is the first of which I'm going to present for you. One of uh, my most popular interviews so far have been with Sean Fannin of Evil Beagle Games. Uh, just always a fun conversation, and I made sure to make it a point to uh, sit down with him and meet him in person and have a nice chat with him once again. So... Sean's been in the industry for quite some time, so it's uh, always he's always a wealth of knowledge uh, about the goings-on in the gaming industry and, and what it means to be a game designer professionally. So, uh, always very happy to sit down with him and have a chat. And this was no exception. This is a fantastic conversation. I had a lot of fun with it. Sean's been in the industry for quite some time. He's got a lot of stories to tell, so you'll hear some of that stuff in here. I'm not going to waste your time just listening to me talk. You need to hear the man of the hour. So here he is, game designer, writer, uh, ex-CIA agent, and all-around RPG rock star, Sean Patrick Fain. All right, Sean Patrick Fannin. That's what they call me. <laughs> How you doing, man? Good, Dan, good. I'm... Uh... <clears throat> Way too tired for only being Friday. Yeah, it's only day two. Uh, well, for me, it's day three. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Wednesday's, Wednesday's always a little crazy. Uh, yeah, that's the travel day for a lot of us, and, those, and of course, a lot of them come in earlier, and I'm thinking, I might do that next year myself, because it just feels like you need a lot much more time. There's a lot of preliminary stuff that happens. There's the Diana Jones Awards, huge deal. Yeah. And then there's those of us who are stupid enough to go wandering around with Matt Forbeck afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Friday morning came way, way, way too early. Or Thursday morning. God, I'm losing track of days already. <laughs> Thursday morning came way too early. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, here we are on Friday. And I'm I'm happy. You're happy, but spent. But I'm, uh, well, I'm not spent. <laughs> I've learned how to pace myself. But I'm feeling it. I'm oh, feeling yeah? it. Sun- Sunday's going to be interesting. I-, I feel your pain. I, I haven't been to Gen Con in, I, I want to say... Close to 20 years. It's probably been... So it was in Milwaukee. You've got to be gasping for air. I, I, do a lot of, I do a lot of physical stuff, so I'm okay, but no, no, my I'm just goodness, the, it's sensory overload. Well, yeah, that's just it. I'm trying to yeah. say it's, it's got to be the whole what it's become. Oh, yeah. My, it's into. humongous. Yeah, on the one hand, I'm extremely grateful for the industry. You know, I'm very grateful for the hobby. I think it's fantastic. But for me personally, it's almost it's almost to the point. If I didn't have to be here, I'm not sure I would be. Oh yeah. And it's not that they're not they're putting on a fantastic show. It's right. just I've gotten to the point where I, I love lots of people and everything, but yeah, there's too much and spread out <laughs> so much. And I've become very spoiled by the smaller shows I get to go to, where it's like a lot more intimate. You get to know a lot of the people there. Right. You know, gaming's kind of in one place, and everybody's hanging out playing games, and it's it just feels a little bit more intimate, a little bit more involved, one to one kind of stuff here. It's such a, a, a disparate, you know, mass of stuff going on. There's no way to focus on it all. Yeah, I got to tell you, this is probably our what is this? Our second or third time trying to get, get together to record this interview. <laughs> no and kidding. Not not only was I in the wrong building, but I was confused as to which Marriott I was supposed to be in to meet you. I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. pretty widespread. I think it's awesome, but then again, I haven't been attending for a long time, so I. Uh, it, it's like a kid in a candy store for me right now. But I think it's the right word. I mean, you used it in the casual sense, but it is awesome. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It, it, it is, and you kind of get overawed. I mean, I was trying to get into the dealer hall yesterday, first day it's open, mm-hmm. and I got I went in the wrong door. It was my idiocy, but I'm <laughs> in that body crush outside where right. Peter and them are talking to everybody, and if I'd been a fire marshal, I'd have been, like, blasting a bullhorn because <laughs> that, that, that was some crazy panic-worthy stuff going on there. Right. 
so yeah, well, I was in that body crush, and it was just crazy. If I'd been a fire marshal, I'd have had a bullhorn going or something, just arresting people left, right, and center. But yeah, and, and, and the volunteers, you can't say nothing but great things about them. They right. are, they're fantastic. You know, uh, all, all props to the Gen Con people for the way they, the volunteers handled stuff. But it has grown so much. I'm curious to see how they're going to handle it. Uh, last I heard, they had signed a contract for this venue for 2015 as well, but I think it might be up for bid. I don't know where they're going. I don't know. What they're planning on doing. I know that Indianapolis is going to do everything they can to keep them here because this city loves the show. Absolutely. I'm sure. And we, and that's another thing I love. Uh, right from like, getting off the plane and there's that one sign at the foot of the escalator that yeah. there's the airport welcoming all the gamers to play yeah. the games and you know, right down to everything around the town. Everybody knows who we are. They love that we're here. And, and I don't have a problem with it. I think Indianapolis is a fantastic venue. But wow, I mean, yeah. This this uh, it's also a sign of who we are as a culture. Uh, it's just it's 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 kind of wonderful. Yeah, and kind of a snapshot of where we are at the moment is Gen Con. Mm-hmm. It, it just it, how big it's become and and where people's interests lie. And absolutely, um, I, I was at an event and there were five people pulled up on stage just a little while ago, and one was from St. Louis, one was from New York, one was from L.A. Yeah, and, and, you know, and it was just all over the place. And we we're seeing a lot of international traffic too. So right. it's like I said, for me personally, it's almost gotten to the point. If I didn't have to be here, maybe I, I might take a break a couple of years. Right. But I do have to be here because this is the show. Right. Well, that was going to be the, my next thing. Is how does this how does this do for you well, as a as a content creator? Well, every year I come to Gen Con, it changes my life from a professional and personal standpoint. Um, you know. The last couple of times, the last couple of years of Gen Con were really how Evil Beagle came to be. Right. And I was working for uh, one bookshelf, guys who drive through RPG and RPG Now. Right. And uh, Steve Wick, who's one of the dearest friends I have in this world, basically kicked me out of the nest because he saw where my creative uh, heart was. He saw what I was doing creatively with everybody else. And he said, you have so many wonderful things to do. Go do them. And, right. And so I got this amazing support. And I'll just say that. These, these, they, they really did... Uh, they, they're awesome people to be with. Um, and I imagine working with one bookshelf, you made some pretty good connections. Oh, yeah, and, well, the thing so, is, I learned how to do it. Right? Yeah. Uh, now, granted, I personally have no business running a business, and that's what the last you know, year has been for me, uh, learning. Um, really? So, uh, Evil Beagle is still a going concern, uh, but now I'm partnered up with Ross Watson of uh, Accursed Fame and, of course, Dark Heresy and right. Warhammer 40K stuff. And, and Ross is just an amazing, creative person, but he's also... Very sharp as a project manager and as a, a product developer and, and just understanding how the business side of all this works way better than I do. So he and I, along with Corinne, uh, are partners now in Evil Beagle. Corinne's the editor-in-chief. He's uh, the managing director. And uh, I'm the CVO, yeah. chief visionary officer, <laughs> which means I could have the sense of importance without any responsibility. Right. <laughs> really what it means is that I'm back to writing and creating a lot. And that's been a big, big And that's where you prefer to be. It's where I need to be. Yeah. I've got over a quarter million words of product left to write for just for the Kickstarter. Wow. And uh, Well, mean, that was... I mean, the last time we talked, your Shintar was in Kickstarter dreamland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it hadn't been a thing yet. And it finished, if I remember per- correctly, pretty, pretty strongly. The Kickstarter was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we overcommitted a lot of stuff uh, because you get excited and you want to get everybody happy and you want to push, push, push for more. Yeah. So I made the classic mistakes there. And it's funny because I, I warned myself not to and I still did it. Um, but these are all books that were going to get written anyway, so they, right. they still have to be done. And yes, uh, Arise came out, then Unleashed, which was the Kickstarter book. Uh, Unleashed is actually on the shelves here and I'm very excited to see it. Okay. Plus, I'm also beyond thrilled because Arise and Unleashed are both up for an Any Award this year. Awesome. Which is tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have no illusion that I'm going to get to walk up to the stage. Right. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and spoil the, what my walk-up music was because every publisher gets to submit their walk-up music. I picked Atomic Dog because Evil Beagle Games, right. Wow, 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 Yippee-Yo. So that's, that's what you would have heard if I'd won. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to be thrilled to sit in the audience and see. Unleashed Arise is up for Best Rules, which... Just jaw-dropping that, for me. That's, that's prestigious. That's good. That is an, a, that is an acknowledgement of my craft right. as a game designer. And that's... I still get a little choked when yeah. I think about it because it is a huge thing just to get on that list. Best electronic book for Legends Unleashed. So those are out. Uh, past Dreamland of Kickstarter. 
now there's all those other products that were promised, you know, the stretch yoga stuff, all the, the, the um, guidebooks and everything. Right. Which, you know, if you ever want to talk about uh, the paralysis of Kickstarter, I can, I can speak to it very personally. I spent a year being creatively paralyzed with the overwhelming sense of, yeah, I promised all this stuff. I'm a fraud. I can't do this. Oh, mm. God, I've got to get this done. I have to. And the pressure becomes its own block to create. Right. And the lack of creation creates the pressure. So right. it's this horrible cyclical uh, downward spiral. But I can say now with absolute confidence that four different products are already now out of my hands, are in the pipeline for production and release to the kick, to Kickstarter backers and then into the general public with a ton more uh, piecemealed out and, and, and coming. Uh, my flow is back to about three to 5,000 words a day. That's awesome. Uh, and, and so all this stuff is being delivered. And Evil Beagle's got all these other projects now that Ross wants to do, that I want to do. I've got a little uh, spoiler, you know, teaser thing to, to, to share if you want to get into it in a, in a little bit. Sure. About one of my, uh, my new projects that I will be working on after I finish my Kickstarter obligations. Sounds awesome. I need to say that very firmly <laughs> after my Kickstarter <laughs> obligations. You know what? Just from, from a different perspective, uh, it's been what, a year and a few months mm-hmm. since the Kickstarter? Uh, well, yeah, the Kickstarter, Kickstarter finished in... It's, it's been a little over a year, at least. A little over a year. In any case, the Kickstarter finished. We had the interview then where I touched base with you. And you, you again, you know, I thanked you in the last episode. I'll do it again. Open arms, welcoming into the community. It was awesome. So then your Kickstarter completed. I, I watched that. I saw what happened. And then you're saying that you had a, a pretty bad year for mm-hmm. creative thought yeah. process and everything. And then I see Unleashed coming out, and and I don't know that from the outside in. I wasn't a Kickstarter backer, so I wasn't expecting anything of you. Oh. Not that I wouldn't have backed it. I just no, no, wasn't in. But I, I didn't expect anything of you, so I wasn't looking for something in the mail or whatever from you. But on the surface, it didn't look like there was a problem and I hadn't contacted you in that amount of time either. We had talked about setting up uh, an interview after the Kickstarter was over. Yeah. And we, we didn't get, you were busy. I saw that you had a bunch of stuff to go on. So this is actually the first time we're coming, coming back together here. And you know, I really feel, um, I don't even know what the word sad bad for you that like you were going through that. Uh, You know, the thing is I, I I did a really good job, Yeah, which I, I am good at. I'm a performer. I'm yeah. a game master. I'm on stage. That's how I think you see things. I do a good job of keeping people motivated. Yeah. Now, I felt like a fraud. Uh, I, I'd like to say that, you know, in, in hindsight, we did accomplish quite a bit. The Justice in Life campaign has exploded in a huge way, and that mm-hmm. has been a source of joy and, and content and, and, and gameplay for everybody who's a fan of Shintar. Right. And I've got so many awesome people who, who helped that happen. Sean Gore, Howard Brandon, uh, uh, Alan Garrett, Corinne's been involved, uh, uh, you know, Sue's, um, uh, God, I don't want to forget her. Susan Knowles, <laughs> aka Sue's, uh, Paul Barkley, uh, the, the the Ravens flock, right? And then, you know, Gail Reich at Savage Mojo is also involved with the Ravens flock. Uh, the Savage Mojo people have been incredibly supportive. And we've managed to to do some amazing things with the shared campaign. So, the, right. I mean, that's, this stuff's been going on. Right. I put a few cool th- things out, you know, like uh, crossbows crafting and Kazat. Uh, that's actually was an amazingly more successful little piece, bit of uh, fun right. stuff than I expected. And a few other things here and there. And we did deliver the the six times epic uh, one sheets and a few things. So, we've managed to keep the the communication going and to have some things going it's just internally i knew what i really needed to do and i wasn't getting it done yet well you know like i said from the outside looking in i, I didn't see it you know and i was keeping a pretty close eye on evil beagle games and, and and i'm grateful for that and the thing is uh the fans have been very supportive i have been open with my communication i mean you know this i'm yeah. an open book uh, the the sean patrick fan and you you read online or through sean's pick of the day.com or facebook or whatever is me. Right. There's, there's, there's no filter. And so I've been open and honest. And people who've had frustrations have expressed it, and I've responded to it, and, and we've had that back and forth. And again, with Ross uh, managing things, uh, Evil Beagle has gone from, we're still relevant, but we need to do more, right. to we've got a lot of wonderful things happening. And That's and awesome. This, 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 this Gen Con does, begin, does uh, mark a... A new beginning uh, across the board. The move to Denver, you know, helps too. I'm, I'm in a much better place. Denver is an amazing gaming community. 
you know, shout out to my Denver peeps. You know, <laughs> I love that place. It's, We've got uh, some listeners there. It's worth going. If you've ever uh, had a chance to visit, you should take it. Uh, Genghis Khan, Tacticon. Uh, yeah. You know, I just got to do a conclave of gamers. They have a huge, amazing gaming community there. Really? The stores are incredible. They carry RPGs. And I don't mean just a few. I mean a lot. Yeah. So that's been, that's been a, a pleasant, wonderful thing. We've got a couple of good stores here. I got to tell you, man, uh, just in the first opening minutes here where we've just kind of chatted about the industry and and your plight as a Kickstarter and a game designer, you have opened up t- 20 topics. <laughs> no kidding. You know, just, there's just so much to talk about there. Everything from from running a successful Kickstarter, the, the stress that that creates, being a game designer in the industry... Running it, your own business. Running your own business. I mean, there's so many, so many different aspects to what what you're doing that could bear discussion. So let me tell you, I'm open invitation on mic right now. Anytime you want to talk about a specific aspect of the gaming industry, give me a call. I'll give you the mic. Well, let's just let's just make a, a semi-regular thing of it. We'll, Sounds we'll, good. We'll too. pick a topic and we'll riff on it. We'll get Ross on. I mean, he's uh, he's got a lot of cool things to talk about too. If you want to talk about women in gaming? Corinne would be a great person to have on as well. Awesome. Let's do it. Let's put that. Uh, we're held to it now. Everybody yeah, knows. Yeah, we're, we're stuck. We're stuck. But <laughs> so, uh, like I have a problem happen. talking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. My, that is one of my strengths. Is what keeps me in this business. Right. I love entertaining people. You know, and that's what drives me uh, to do this. Um, I think I'd have to come to Gen Con because uh, just one of the things I'm doing here is I'm running games, right? Right. And as a creator who's a professional in the industry, sometimes it's the hardest thing to do because of all the other things that you need to be doing. Right. Uh, work on the floor, business deals, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But I, I, I set up to run three games because of the way the show is. I mean, when they opened up registration, those games were gone. Right. Like within seconds. Right. So... Um, yeah, I got once again. I got to remember to put a, a announcement out across my Twitter feed at some point and, and figure out what I'm going to run that special fourth game. I promised just for all the people who weren't able to get into the third, third right? Game, one through three, and it's still my most fulfilling moments is at that table. Well, that was going to be one of the questions I wanted to ask. Was you've you've been through the Kickstarter, you've been through the writer's block, mm-hmm. you've you've changed your business model, you've opened your own business, you've you've yeah. went on to to follow your own creative path. How has that changed your game? Your no. gameplay at all, other than you're running your own stuff. Well, it's funny you should say that. Of course, when you first start, it's it's all about uh, the game is a marketing tool, right. right? You know, getting people to play your game is itself a marketing thing. The home game less so. You know, that's just because I get to be with my friends. Mm-hmm. Though everything I do, everything I come up with, everything I create for my home games has potential as additional content for anything else I publish and do. One thing that has definitely come up. And I was about to say, no, another exchange, but that's not true. I'm even more desperate to play yeah? <laughs> than I ever was before. Is that because of the workload that you're dealing with? Well, because I, I live in Shintar. I run Shintar because that's what people want to play. Um, so do you play Shintar through, through that? Or are you and, trying to play like... Uh, no, no, I did. Uh, Lee Baloo was very, very kind to run an awesome game for me back home and, uh, when we were living in, in Huntsville. And I'm going to miss it. Uh, Princes and Pirates. So I got to play a Corindian, a very badass Corindian named Vesh. Yes, let me tell you about my character. <laughs> but that was an awesome It's game. all right. We accept gaming stories here. But I got to play in my own world. And uh, thanks to Sean Gore, uh, who is the manager... Uh, <laughs> Jesus, that's a, that, I mean, you just opened up the door for another topic. What's it like to run to play, play in a game, game that you... Yeah. How's that feel, seeing uh, that? It, it, and, of course, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Sean Gore, well, Lee understood my world, and he understood the nature of what Shintar is, so that was a joy. I have played Shintar under people who didn't get it at all, and it completely... The word perverted, I hate to say it, but it just it changed it so dramatically it wasn't fun for me. But they're, they're, they're a game to run. And, right. You know, it's, it's their right, but it was just very, very odd and disconcerting. Sean Gore, uh, he's the, the, the manager of the Justice Life campaign now. And, yeah. And uh, I'm going to get to, I have played under him, and it's been a joy. I'm going to get to play under him again when we get back to Denver, Rangers of Jasara, and I'm looking forward to that. But I'm really happy about getting a chance to play some other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in an online game table thing with uh, Daryl Mott. Uh, Daryl Mott Jr. and Ross have their own uh, podcast thing they do called The Gamer's Tavern. Mm-hmm. And through that, they have something called The Game Table. And uh, me and Ross and uh, Andrea from uh, the D20 Girls Project and the Grumpy Celt. And then there's another guy named Gary. Uh, Gary, the crazy artist who keeps drawing all over our maps in Roll20. <laughs> well, we're doing a Roll20 uh 
foundation uh, fifth edition run through with the, just the basic stuff. Right. I have fallen in love with fifth edition D and D. Oh, that's awesome! We just did uh, our our review, our, mm-hmm. our first impressions. And I specifically just bought the starter set. I did not look at the open P- the open source PDF. Okay. Did not look at. It. I just wanted to see what a brand new GM mm-hmm. was going to get when he bought the starter set. Right. And when we did our episode, that's all I had looked at. Right. And I, and I said it in the show. You, you know, listeners have already heard it, but I think that that is one of the best opening books I've ever seen for Dungeons and Dragons. I haven't seen a starter set that felt that good yeah. and explained the concept without going into too much detail or boring right. you know, somebody. And the big thing for me was that 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons feels like everybody else's choice edition when they play it. I've talked to several guys who say, oh, it's just 3rd edition with some extra stuff. And I'm an old 2nd edition, 1st right. edition guy. It feels like my homebrew. Basically, you've got somebody who you, you've got this. I, I have this vision in my head of the, this really cool, you know, benevolent spirit that has passed through all the previous editions, mm-hmm. snatched up the best parts of each of them, and pulled them into fifth. And instead of it being a, a mishmash of, of, of garbage, garbage. Yeah. that didn't work, it is an extraordinary exa- expression of Dungeons and Dragons that for Dungeons and Dragons works beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've said this time and time again myself, and I'll say it here. The biggest shock and surprise for me, in the most pleasant of ways, is not only, and it's weird because I've read where people don't like this, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but we just can't agree on this. The fact that the system incentivizes role play. Oh, yes. And not just incentivizes it, but incentivizes backstory creation and role play, and then dealing with that role play in combat. There hasn't been an edition of Dungeons and Dragons that did that at all. I have, you know, playing this guy, uh, Jovis, who's a very anti-tyrant, chaotic, good, uh, mm-hmm. folklore, you know, folk hero kind of guy. I grabbed that folk hero background thing. I love those backgrounds. You know, yeah. just, just the basic ones were cool, and now in the player's handbook, I've seen quite a few more. And, you know, taking that folklore hero who, who fought the tyrant, and he was a blacksmith, so his he was chosen. He's a priest now, but he still uses his hammer. Right. Um, as an expression of his, of his whatever, but the point is, I am compelled to find reasons to, to, to shout out against tyrants or to talk about people's freedom, mm-hmm. or, and I do this because inspiration, right? The, right? the ability to get an advantage when you need it, once you've used it, it's a one-zero thing. you got to get it back. And right. to get it back is to be in character and to do it in combat so that the GM is compelled to give you uh, inspiration back. So that role-play and combat decision they won me. Well, they won me on the, the inclusive language thing when I got to, when I read about you know the brand welcomes expressions of any gender identity, you know, trans Absolutely. and all that stuff. That was going to get me to buy the book just to support that message. Okay, but playing the game, boom, I'm 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 in. I'm in. So, what do you think about the advantage disadvantage mechanic? Oh, uh, clean so much stuff up. I love it so much. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it's an abstraction. You know, it's a beautiful, but it's a fantastic abstraction. Their stated premise of you know, you know rulings, not rules, right? Uh, I think is is the perfect foundation. And Mike Merles, you and everybody else, I'll say it again publicly. I keep calling your name out. I'm tagging you out. I'm calling you out, man. <laughs> Good job. I'd love to shake your hand. Yes, absolutely. Um, and. Uh, I, I think it just it does so much. I even said, okay, if they somehow borrowed this mechanic from somebody else and I missed it, then I want to make sure I say whoever came up with that first, well done. For sure. But otherwise, here's the mechanic the rest of us should steal mm-hmm. because that's just a beautiful expression of that idea. And between the advantage-disadvantage system you know, and the incentivized role play uh, and, and the idea that uh, everything is set up so that uh, the, the, you can just flow through, yeah. and the GMs can quickly make decisions that are going to be cool because they're cool. Absolutely, and that was one of the things with that little starter set. When yeah. they introduced that mechanic and they were explaining the concept, I thought, wow, I don't think battle is necessarily going to be any faster for Dungeons & Dragons. It's going to probably be faster than 4th edition. Um, but yeah. but I think you're it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be wild and wacky. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, because the advantage-disadvantage mechanic pretty much ensures that you're going to fail or you're going to succeed, depending, you know, statistically. It, it, it really, it, it, you know, I don't even want to run the numbers at this point. I'm just going to say that this is a game 
that this iteration makes me want to find yeah. fifth edition games, as opposed to being drugged into other previous editions of Dungeons and Dragons because I wanted to play something and that's what my friends were playing. Right. This is where I am actively looking for cool fifth edition games, and I'm lucky because Ross Watson is a huge Birthright fan. Right. And he's going to run a fifth edition driven Birthright game, and I've already made my Paladin because it's the first character I always make when I have the new edition. That's and funny. I always try to make Indiana Jones. I just see how the system will. will. <laughs> well, for me, it's always that, that night on the night on the hill, sword sword gleaming in the, mm-hmm. in the sun against his you know many enemies, uh, you know, fighting for the great, and that's. When a system can express that for me, you know, that cinematic moment. And yes, I will say this, you know, 5th edition D&D is the most cinematic action-adventure version I've ever seen. And Absolutely. that's my style of play. Yeah. So yes, back to the original circle back around and yeah. getting to play is a huge deal. Um, and I'm looking forward to some other options, uh, opportunities to get to, to be a player as well. That's what's changed for me. Okay. Is that, you know, now that I've reached the point where, you know, I have something out there that people love... Um, and I had, you know, I've wanted to promote that. So all my focus was that rule system and that setting. I'm still a Savage Worlds guy through and through. Right. I'm still happy to find another Savage Worlds game that I can play in. But I'm much more about, let's try some new stuff. Got to try Fate recently, really enjoyed it. I'm looking to try some other games out. And, and that's kind of cool. That's a, that's a good feeling to be back to where, you know, I'm not just all about this is the one system and I must promote and pimp this system because mm-hmm. that's my job. Now it's kind of like, oh, I've succeeded that. That's cool. You know, let's be open to all these other cool designs. Have you encountered the situation where you feel like, okay, I have to play this game now because I need to work on this thing, or I have to play this game now because I want, I need some inspiration for this setting? I've done that a few times. I've done that a few times. Um, Does it feel wrong? No, yeah. no. It's 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 like reading a book or doing some research. Okay, right? it's it's the same concept. If you're if you're uh, sincere about your craft, right? Uh, you do the research, and that includes playing games that uh, kind of take you towards ideas. Um, and I've actually been doing that for a while. I mean, early on, I mentioned I might have a little teaser thing to, to throw out there. I've mentioned this in a couple other places. Uh, one of my side projects, this is my, instead of watching a movie, I'm doing this in, the, you know, in my free time, so it's okay. not interfering with my Kickstarter stuff, but I have a system called Handfuls of Dice okay. that I have started working on. Sounds like you've got me. <laughs> I, um, Who doesn't like handfuls of dice? Exactly. <laughs> it's it's it, very bearing in mind that and, uh, as a kid I did a system of my own uh, called Star Chasers, which I still actually have fr- friends of mine who go back to that. And I'm like, okay, well that was my kid game, right? Right. But I've never done from scratch my own game system until okay. now, and it's my love letter to Champions, okay. which is where, where my career started back in '88. Uh, it's a long where, letter. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, but the whole handful of six-sided dice, and you count the sixes for something. In that case, it used to be for body, but in this case, it's for a different mechanic. It's called boosters. And you roll 3d6, although using the Fanon protocols from way back when, when I uh, did champion stuff, so it was the roll high mechanic. But but that's it, right? It's the basic roll 3d6 for actions and roll big handfuls of dice for your results. But the mechanics are different because of the player empowerment idea, you know, the, the, the narrative control concepts, the, the, in that moment you can play with these cool mechanics, this economy to, to do the knockback or to do the cool stunt or to do mm-hmm. the cool scene. You know, that's, that's the, the, the play that I'm having right now with, with my rules design. As it's a love letter to champions, but it's also a love letter to a number of other great games. There's a little, uh, a little bit of a nod to the, the roll and keep concept from L5R and, yeah. and uh, um, uh, 7Cs and all that. Uh, so it's a love letter to to some of my favorite design ideas, as well as to modern modern design thinking, as I said, player empowerment and cinematic adventure kind of stuff. So that's that's something I'm, I'm playing with. And towards that, right, I I've been playing every superhero system basically that I could get my hands on and take a few minutes to, to mess with. Right. And uh, tangentially to that, connected to the Greater Than Games uh, Signals of the Multiverse, which oh, I am so in love with that game. Uh, one of my one of my co-hosts, Brian, is. He, he absolutely adores that game, and yeah. uh, they're St. Louis locals, so I'll be having, yeah, I'll be getting a hold of them soon. Just ran to the guys uh, in the hall, and we, we, we promised we'd talk about some cool stuff, and I, I can't get into any of that right now. But let's just say I'm talking to the greater game guys, and we have some really cool ideas. You heard it here first. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> they. they uh, we, we we know we, we we know we would like to work together on some cool ideas. Awesome. And again, I've been playing that game almost as far as non role play. That game has dominated our table. Oh yeah. So and and again, all this done has just inspired me towards the superhero thing. So yes, the things that I'm most well known for as a creator are superheroes and fantasy. 
obviously I've expressed the fantasy pretty huge. Right. I'm, I'm ready at some point to get back to doing some superhero stuff uh, in parallel with everything else that we got going on. You ever, do you ever write? Do you ever try your hand at comics and such? It is one of my great unfulfilled ambitions. Hmm. Any comic industry guys out there want to, you know, talk to me out here? Uh, it is. I would love to write a comic book. I'm actually working with a couple of artists, so I'm talking about starting something. Well, now you've got my attention. <laughs> uh, I, I, like I said, I've got a setting that I've been working on that comes from my uh, Champions days when I was in charge of the Champions universe. I had some really interesting ideas about a more integrated approach, you know, a more holistically organic, uh, you know, uh, internal consistency kind of thing with yeah. superheroes. Uh, which, you know, the set is called Modern Gods, and I've been working and playing with it for a while, and uh, still working on it. So I've got some, I've got some thoughts along this line. Awesome. Of, of telling classic feeling uh, superhero stories with a modern sensibility uh, and a world that's very believable and compelling with all the craziness, craziness that goes on with superheroes. So it's, it's a passion. It's a love. Awesome. Okay, so we've covered a lot of ground. Right. Uh, let's talk about specifically what you're doing right now. Again, the show kind of is a, an, an encapsulation of all that. Mm-hmm. I'm back to heavy, heavy work on all the Shine Tour stuff to fulfill the Kickstarter and also right. just to put this major, major product line out uh, for Savage Worlds fans uh, and for Shine Tower fans and basically specifically for epic high fantasy fans. Um, a lot of dark fantasy out there. I, I, I'm very pleased to have Shine Tower fulfill this role of, okay, you've got your Game of Thrones and all that, but right. here's... Here's your, your, your fantasy version of Star Wars. And, mm-hmm. you know, your, your, it's like Lord of the Rings meets uh, Die Hard. That's, that's really the tagline for Shine Tower. So we've got a lot of that going on. Other stuff with Evil Beagle, we've got some cool games that I'm looking forward to a chance to, to announce what we're going to be doing with that. Uh, and, and some novellas and some other things that we're playing with in the background. Neat. I'm also working very closely with Savage Mojo, who did all the art, graphics, and, and everything else for the core Shine Tower books. I'm their fixer. Which basically means I put myself out there to the rest of the industry as your your Mr. Johnson yeah. of Shadowrun and Cyberpunk fame. Basically, if anybody else out there is, is wanting to get into publishing or is actively involved in publishing or, or media presentation of any kind, and they are looking for opportunities and ways uh, to get their stuff done, but they don't necessarily have all the personal assets to do so. Like, they don't really have a good layout person, or their layout guy ends up in the hospital at the last minute. Right. Uh, or anything along those lines. Graphics, layout, editing... Even writing, if you really need it, they, they have they have stable writers they can call upon, um, you know, covers, anything involved in producing a book or other kind of media. They even do videos. They did Kickstarter management for me. They actually managed the Kickstarter uh, from, the, from the technical side. Uh, Savage Mojo is really good at this, and right. I'm, I'm such a fan that uh, I'm helping to promote them here at the show, and I am involved in that. I, I'm, a, I'm a continuing part of that team. This The, the team's also my family. I mean, these are people I love, and, and, and we have a, a great relationship. So I'm doing a lot of that kind of work as well when I can, and especially here at the show. Uh, I still do some consulting, right? Helping uh, other you know brand new publishers, writers, mm-hmm. people like that. Uh, I'm very much a, a gamer advocacy person, so I'm very involved in prom- promoting and, and presenting gaming in as positive light as possible, and, and gaming for education purposes. Oh, I'm a big fan. Of that. Big you, fan you, of, you keep hitting all the key, key yeah. notes, man. Uh, and I'm also involved, uh, I, I'm very close to the people with Doctors Without Borders, and I, I'm still involved. Ever since that Haiti uh, earthquake thing that we did when I was with the drive through um, I've been close to them. I actually met with them earlier this year. Uh, I was up in New York um, and had a great meeting with them to continue that relationship and to continue discussing how the gamer industry, the game hobby, and the, the geek community can help them promote their message uh, of, you know, which is just pure. It's ethically, ethically pure. It's not yeah. about politics. It's just about getting health and welfare and well-being out to the world as best can right? Uh, without getting it wrapped up in, in politics and, and dirty money and stuff. So uh, that's good. It continues to be a very important part of, of who I am and what I want to do is, is while I'm wanting to make games and gaming and stories and stuff like that, I also want to help make the world a little bit of a better place as best I can. Awesome. I'm also very involved in the conversation that I'm really glad to see that we're having about inclusivity, about gender equality, about mm-hmm. uh, LGBT rights and, and being allies and uh, you know, re- recognizing that we have had something of a patriarchal kind of attitude that needs to be talked about publicly and in all of civilization, but within our community, you know, let's focus there first. And there's been a lot of very, very, very interesting and sometimes overly heated and difficult conversations. I'm sure. It's a necessary one. Yeah. I, you know, I... I cannot express enough how I feel like at some point we were just separated because there's <laughs> so many parallels here. It's it's kind of staggering, yeah. and I, and 
just the first time that uh, we we had our interview, uh, for me, I felt like we hit it off really well and just we had did. a great conversation. I'm and glad we got to connect. I mean, just like 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 he was saying, folks, we spent <laughs> we spent a number of times missing each other. So I'm really glad yeah. we managed to pull this together. Uh, and it's awesome to to be able to actually meet you face to face. I would imagine it was horrifying, but thank you for saying so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Towards the conversation that we need to have as a community, right. I've been working hard on myself. This is one thing I realized. I've always been kind of casually chauvinistic without really meaning to be. Um, greeting female gamers uh, with just the first thing I want to do is say something nice about how they look. Right. And I do but that. But you don't say that about Larry. Yeah, right? And, and that's my point, is it's casually chauvinistic, and I got called on it, and it made me stop and think hard. Yeah. So, while I'm still inclined to be flirtatious and all that other kind of stuff, it, you know, maybe I'm an old dog, but I at least now say things like if I see a woman who's dressed very nicely, and they've obviously gone to a lot of trouble to, to cosplay and, and do something... I will walk up and I'll say something like, may I pay you a compliment? <laughs> so that, it, you know, so that I'm, I'm letting them know that I respect them, that I'm not just opening up with, you know, let me immediately throw at you what I think of your appearance. Uh, but to say so respectfully that I would like to pay them a compliment and then they can feel more comfortable, you know, or they say, you know, thank you now. And then I can walk away and, and whatever. But uh, I'm, I'm working on ways yeah. to, to be... Not just to talk about it, but to actually be an ally and to be conscientious of how we, we treat one another. My problem in that light is that I will make the joke. And I find myself being casually chauvinistic or whatever, whenever I'm trying to be funny. Right. And if humors are similar, that's fine. Right. But you, I never can, you, can, you never know who's around. So as far as greeting people and whatnot, I, I work in a public service industry. Everybody's a potential customer for me. Mm-hmm. Every single person I talk to is yes, sir, no, ma'am, so on and so forth. It's always... It's still not a bad idea. No, no, not at all. So that's never an issue for me. It's when I'm comfortable mm-hmm. that I have to watch what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And, and I think that the, the one thing that all of my... my uh, I have female friends. It sounds so <laughs> cheesy, but many of my women friends... Because I came out about this pretty seriously recently. I made a big post on Facebook and, right. and said that I become very aware of this. I'd reached out to some people who I had recently treated that way. And they all, to the to the person, reached back to me and said, thank you for saying this. We appreciate that you, you are understanding this and trying to see things from our perspective. We never saw you necessarily as someone you know being too much that, but it's good that you're thinking that way and thank you for bringing it up as a conversation. I still pretty hard on myself about it. Um, and, and maybe because I'm very gregarious and, and occasionally considered charming, Maybe it's easier for me to get away with it, but it doesn't make it any more right. Right. You should establish a relationship with a fellow gamer, regardless of gender, as a relationship with a fellow gamer, not somebody who happens to have boobs that you're really into and maybe want to have sex with first and then become their friend. Reverse that. Larry might have boobs. Larry might have boobs. <laughs> but the friend's first thing is not just a trope. No, it's a not real at all. Thing. Treat that person as a potential friend. That's the best way to approach any relationship anyway, yeah. even if there is somebody that you're attracted to. So that classic, we're all socially awkward thing. All right, well, you know what? Here's our bridge. Let's get over it. Yeah, you're all socially awkward, which puts you all in the same social standing. And start treating Or at the very standards. least, if, if, if the person that you're dealing with or that you're trying to meet or whoever is a member of this community, they understand that the members of this community are socially awkward and probably are a little bit more accepting of that behavior. Right, but so, they're still going to appreciate you're making an effort to be right. polite and, and respectful. Right. And that's what we got to all do. So, But that doesn't excuse, whether you're socially awkward or not, doesn't excuse uh, offensive behavior. Blatant sexism, blatant chauvinism, blatant intolerance, all of that. Mm-hmm. We, we, if we're all going to talk about making the world better, which we do, we're gamers, and mm-hmm. gamers have always kind of had that general perspective, uh, at least to my way of thinking, there's been a large portion of us who have, Let's make sure we're doing that for our own. It's pretty as well. much the any time that you hear the word dreamers used in a sentence mm-hmm. or as a statement of uh, station or quality, you can probably swap the word gamers in pretty effectively. I feel the same way. Uh, and uh, dreamers make the world spin, dreamers make the world easy, dreamers work the world fun. Dreamers can sometimes make the world terrible, but <laughs> depending on the dreams. But if most of the time, you can swap the world game around. We are a powerful entity. Gen Con Indy, 50,000 people, 
Actually, that was last year with 49. The I don't know what they've come up so. The estimation now is getting pushed into 70,000. 70,000 people. Are that's, you kidding? That's the numbers I've heard. Wow. Okay. 70,000 people converge on Indianapolis. The, the mayor of Indianapolis has said clearly that the two most successful, profitable um, events for the city ever have been Gen Con and the Super Bowl. And Gen Con's the only one that happens every year. Wow. This is him basically monitoring the rest so of the So this city is too. the Geek Super Bowl every yeah, year. This is the Geek Super Bowl. Live from Geek Super Bowl 2014. That yep. is awesome. Here we are. <laughs> uh, so just having that power, it is a force to be reckoned with. And mm -hmm. this is just one event. Right. And this is why you Dr. Zellbordas reached out to me, because they recognize the power of this community. And at the same time, they recognize that we don't have the same kind of agendas that other contributors would. So there is a social, uh, a social conscientious aspect to who and what we are that we can leverage and are starting to do so. And that's a, I'm, that's a conversation I'm proud to be a part of. Awesome. Well, Sean, um, I've got a couple quick and easy questions for you, and I just would like to just rattle off an answer for me. You got it. Number one. Give me an example of a your favorite uh, creative spell or item use. Like, for instance, levitating the rock over somebody's head to drop it. Or uh, okay. creating uh, the Molotov cocktail. I don't know if I can use the word favorite because it is so painful. That's oh, perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, because, again, from a GM standpoint, <laughs> you know, dear GMs of Savage Worlds who are using Shantar's rules, I apologize now for the applications rules. The application spells for Shine Tower Legends of the Rise are probably a huge reason why it's up for best rules. And I'm proud of that. Okay. But I'm also ashamed of the pain that it is causing GMs. <laughs> um, there's there's a couple of, of, of you know very creative usages. Uh, you know, Patrick, uh, you, you if you're listening, you'll you'll get a kick out of you. The, the the explosion that also heals, which you know taking the, the ability to manipulate spells and, okay. and cast them in big ways and it is is uh, an explosion that is selective and it does damage only to the bad guys, while at the same time everybody uh, who's an ally inside there gets healed. Right. But the worst of all was the lollipop of doom. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm intrigued. What's the lollipop of doom? And, and this I have to blame Esther Knuckles for. She uh, had clairsentience, so she could look behind walls, and she you know, tried doing the whole, I'm going to, to drop my explosion on the other side of this wall and blow everybody up. Okay. And she was doing it, and I was like, you know what, no. You can't throw this through the wall. You stop this. No. You actually have to have a passage. So she went and took the application rules. She took the jet power, which is... Jet is basically 12 by 1. You could lay a ruler down on the table. Right. And, and that's a, a line of damage. And it's a heavy weapon effect in Savage Worlds, which means it blows right through walls. No problem. So she used the application to take jet and link it to blast. So she'd lay the, the ruler down across the wall... And then the blast on the other end of the jet, creating what on the table looked like a gargantuan lollipop. And everything on the line or everything inside dies. And so the, the lollipop of doom was a creative answer to my saying no to something she wanted to do. So she found a way around. And I have to say that's, that's the most painful but yet beautiful use of, of that kind of creative spell you know, thing that you're talking about. What have you done? The lollipop of doom. The it's entirely my fault. Doom. Yeah, she's a walking siege weapon with that thing. So. That's awesome. <laughs> so GMs, uh, watch for the lollipop of doom for sure. Yeah, uh, shine tar. Yeah. <laughs> so And that. Uh, one more quick question. Uh -huh. What's your favorite house rule? Ooh. Wow. I, oh, man. See, that's not my favorite house rule. Favorite house rule. Uh, I'll, 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 okay. Um, my favorite house rule is whenever a GM, you know, goes, you know, if it's cool, do it. Okay. Right? That, 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 that's a, a foundational philosophy for what would be the best house rules for any game. Um, you know, my, my variant on that was always, you know, if it would look cool in a movie, go for it. Okay. So the, any, any, any house rule that facilitates the, the player feeling empowered to go for that big moment, to do that cool thing. Uh, I, I call mean, it the cinematic stick. The, 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 <laughs> the moment that, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I mean, there's a cool setting rule. That is in Shine or in Savage Worlds Deluxe. That is kind of an epitome of that, and I've adopted it for for Shine Tar, and it's called High Adventure. Okay, and that is where you can spend a Benny to temporarily give yourself 
uh, combat edge you don't normally have. Um, and I think that's a, a fantastic mechanical expression of that very idea. It's like, okay, I don't have the sweep maneuver. I didn't buy right. that for my character. Normally I don't do that. But in this moment, right, the dramatic use is keyed up. I'm by myself. I'm surrounded by all these enemies. Right. I really want to do the sweep maneuver. Mm-hmm. Well, spend a Benny, and you can do that mover, the maneuver in that one moment because in the moment it looks cool. It's part of the, the, the scene calls for it. Go for it. Right. That would be a, a really excellent expression of that bigger that bigger concept that I love, which is if it's cool, go for it. That's awesome. So your favorite house rule is Savage Worlds. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Because if you think about what the history of Savage Worlds is, yeah. it's it's them taking Great Rail Wars and house ruling that that should actually be the role-playing system that they wanted to play with. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in any great game design, to some degree, it came out of somebody's house rules for another game. So I'm assuming you've talked to Shane Hensley and... He's one of my best friends in this industry. And and have have had some really rewarding discussions with him about game design. Well, the thing is, we work very closely together. Right. I mean, my name's actually in, in Deluxe as one of the mm-hmm. contributors, and, and people know that I, I work very closely with him. We are, in fact, I, anybody who saw, the, the, saw his, tw- his Twitter and his F- Facebook feed uh, knows that he was messing with me on the trip here. Because he was in the Denver Denver airport, and he was like doing selfies with me with my back turned. I had no idea he was there. <laughs> so you, know, you have to realize, Shane and I really are that close. And, That's great. Uh, I, when, when I first started talking about what I wanted to find a system for Shintar, he contacted me, he started up, gave me three free books and said, go, create. Awesome. So we're, we, we do, yes, have lots of, of conversations. I've actually got a great story about that. Shoot. Um, a few years ago, many, the first time I ever did the Gathering of Savages, which, by the way, was my idea. That's, uh, the whole Savage Saturday Night Gathering of Savages yeah. thing, I created that. That's awesome. That's right. I'm totally taking credit for that. that. It was at Comic the Cop quite a few years ago. Andy, Andy uh, uh, Hop convinced me to use Comic Hop for, for the idea, and it just so exploded. Everybody showed up. Shane was there. You know, the whole Savage Wars crew was there. Right. Major, there were not that many of us as, as third-party guys at that point, but we were all there. And one of the guys who first ever ran... Savage Worlds for me, Chris Casera was there, and he was running this really cool sci-fi, you know, bug hunt kind of, Space Marines versus bug hunt kind of game. And we were all playing. Uh, I remember uh, Shane and Clint Black and uh, a couple other guys decided they were going to go Iron Man, which is to say they were going to not spend any bennies. Okay. I'm like, okay, you guys are stupid. I know how bad this game's going to be. Mm-hmm. Some of my character kind of became the, the sergeant or whatever. Uh, I, I think I picked the leadership character and, you know, had some leadership edges. We had been using a house rule that uh, basically there's a thing you could do where if you, you've got the right, you've got a good role, you could take the initiative cards, or you could take initiative, additional initiative cards and trade people's initiative out. Okay. Right? And, and we, this is just something I had come up with, and, and Chris really liked it, so he was using this rule that I'd come up with. Well, Shane uh, sees this in play, and, and he looks over at Clint, and he says, you know, that's really cool. You know, I'm, I don't remember when we came up with that, and, and Clint's like, we didn't. That's Sean's rule. <laughs> okay. And then I see the thoughtfulness, and then eventually we start seeing this edge. Right. <laughs> with, uh, with the ability to... And, and, and the thing is, is it, it was totally... It was, I was glad of that. We all share openly. It's a right. very open, collaborative community. That, that Shane creates amongst those of us who, who, who do this stuff. You know, I mean, all of my stuff, all my rules, any other publisher doing Savage Worlds, yes, I'd appreciate if you'd say, you know, hey, this came from Shintar. Right. Know, and that's all I ask because right. I want those steps out there. So, for example, Accursed and uh, uh, coming up, uh, Nova Praxis and Savage Worlds rules, as I like to call Savage Praxis, they're both using variants of the resource die, which is one of the other rules I came up with right. uh, in Shintar. Uh, which I get a lot of compliments about. I'm really, really thrilled about that because who wants to co- count copper pieces? Get on with it, right. right? So these are the kinds of things that we do, but that was just a really funny story that Shane was like, because, and I understand that. You know, wow, I don't remember when I came up with that. Well, well you didn't, I did. <laughs> oh, okay. You oh, know? that's good. It's in the book now. <laughs> but Thanks. That, and, and exactly it. It's exactly that's funny. It. So it, it is, but it is that kind of collaboration, right? We all feed off each other's cool ideas. This industry and the hobby and the, the sensibility mm-hmm. Uh, as as it has developed over the the last few years, has has came together to create some things: Shintar, Savage Worlds, the new D- Dungeons and Dragons, all these things that are coming out now. They're not created in a vacuum. They couldn't have existed twenty years ago. Hmm. The, the gaming was a different thing. Mm-hmm. It was a totally different process. So, on behalf of my audience, I would like to thank you, Sean Patrick Fannin, for your contribution. Thank you to the hobby as a whole. And uh, thanks once again for coming on the show. Where can my listeners find you? 
Right. So, honestly, I think the, the, the most active places to keep an eye on where I'm doing and what I'm saying. Uh, Sean'spickoftheday.com okay. is, is where I talk about all the cool stuff that's going on in gaming. Uh, promotion of stuff that's on drive through but also promotion of Kickstarters and everything else. So I put out something there every day. Watch my Facebook, right? Follow right. me, follow me on Facebook, Sean Patrick Fannin. I'm also on G+. Shintar.com, S-H-A-I-N-T-A-R.com, Shintar.com. A lot of stuff going on with our, our Justice in Life campaign, which is another thing I want to talk to you about at some point, but not today. We'll, we'll sure. share it for another show. This is the world's first ever one-to-one relationship with the with the published continuity uh, shared campaign. So there's no module chase. Right. If you live in my world, you're affecting the published world. Wow. And nobody's ever done that before. So I think that'll be a fun thing to talk about. Um, but shinechart.com, Facebook, G+, um, you know, there is evilbeaglegames.com as well. We don't do as much with that site as we should, but it's there. Um, you know, I'm hard, to, I'm hard not to find. Okay. <laughs> now, at the end of every episode, uh, I tell my listeners to support the hobby, support the industry, and support your local game store. Mm-hmm. And once again, I'm going to ask you to support something that is not necessarily your own creative endeavor. Ah, well. Uh, it can be a book, a website, an organization. It can be anything. Ah, uh, you see the problem. There's so many people that I want to support. There's yep. all the fantastic publishers who do Savage World stuff. Savage Worlds doesn't need my support. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing fine. (laughs) Um, Justin Suzuki. Justin Suzuki. What's this? In Denver, has a uh, non-profit organization. Uh, I'm trying to remember the actual name of the core thing, but the two things he does are are spring uh, spring giving and Thanksgiving. And these are strictly events in Denver that support the, the... Various charities. Awesome. And so you show up and play games. Uh, Ross and I both agreed to be celebrity GMs that people pay extra money to do something with. And it's not because we think we're worth it, but because we think the charities are worth it. Right. So uh, anybody who's doing any kind of charity work related to gaming, uh, I, I admonish everyone to please spend some time, spend some money, spend some effort to support uh, anything like that. Uh, anybody who steps up and helps uh, our fellow man, our fellow gamers, um, uh, Doctors Without Borders, of course, I can't, I, I want to say definitely, any chance you have to, uh, to support Doctors Without Borders, do so. And finally, I want to, be, I want to just give a, a big shout out to Peter Atkinson. Uh, I know what you did, brother, and I thank you for doing it, and you know what I'm talking about. All right. Thanks for joining me, Sean. Thank you, Dan. Have a nice day. You too, brother. The Carpe GM interview series is produced in affiliation with the Carpe GM game cast. All copyrights, feed information, and shortcomings are shared by both shows. Find out more at carpegm.net.